Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this weekend's UFC card. Here are your hosts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We're here once again talking about this week's UFC card going down at the Vivint... Vivint... Vivint? Vivint? Wait, comp- companies today have such cool names. <laughs> Vivint? At the Vivint Arena in Salt Lake City, Utah. Maybe it's a Mormon thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Probably not. It's probably just some lame tech bro thing. Okay, we're being told by our producer it's a security yeah. service. Oh, that's disappointing. I was going to ask if it's what that board was called that you like stick between you and your fiance. <laughs> the Vivint. <laughs> could be security service, could have a very different meaning in the in the Mormon <laughs> land, that, land that of Mormons. Is, that is a sort of security service. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just one guy with a board. <laughs> That's it. You call him. He comes and he just sticks it down right in the middle of your bed. Yeah. And for for twenty percent more, I'll go into your uh, your siblings' rooms and make sure no onanism is happening. <laughs> no onanists in this household. Okay, you know, I, I don't even know why you know that term. I don't know that term, and I don't want you to explain it. You to know me what either. it means, though. <laughs> <laughs> you do know the term. I can take a really, really good guess and think I'm going to be absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're here to talk about this week's pay-per-view card. However, UFC pay-per-view, the Vivint Arena, headlined by a title fight, Kamaru Usman in the long-awaited rematch with Leon Edwards. And, um, you know, I love I love seeing fights like, okay, I'm going to say something really stupid here, so... Pretend like that's different. Than you know what? Most. Just to save us time, you don't have to preface all the other things you say on this episode with that. <laughs> I just don't want. I that's a, that's that's a dangerous precedent. We're gonna have a four-hour episode here. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna say something really dumb, which is, I like seeing fights like Leon Edwards, Toronto Uthman, and Carla Sparza versus Rose Nami Yunus. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I know. I like like seeing them on paper. I like seeing them on paper. Yeah. Because then you get that opportunity for Dana White quarterly to trot out this whole, you know what you don't do? You don't wait for fights. Yeah. And then they have to turn around and book the obvious contender that they don't want to book at all for any Mm -hmm. reason whatsoever because they sat there and they just waited. They waited for the moment when the UFC needed another title fight to headline a pay-per-view. Because if you don't wait, you get screwed. That's true. You know, Jacare was like, hey, I'm just going to fight whoever to get my title shot. I know it'll come for me. And then, he, you know, he retires. And the first thing he says is, you know, the big regret I had is that I didn't actually wait when I was in title contention. Because mm-hmm. you get nothing for for stepping up and just nope. being like, no, I'll take whatever fight. No, nope. they they like company men to an extent, but like you got to make it really, really clear you're helping them out. Mm-hmm. And even then, like it is still a sport. 
as yeah. much as it's bullshit backdoor stuff. So you lose, and then you just there's no way they can give you the title shot. Then yep, they're not going to do it. Yep, unless you're Nate D- or Nick Diaz or you're like Joel. Conor McGregor or Jorge Masvidal or yeah. something. Yeah, you have yeah. a huge cachet. Then yeah, but no, yeah. not if you're 99.9 percent of fighters. Yeah, so I love seeing a guy like Leon Edwards sit there, say no, 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 no. I earned my way here. You've got to give it to me. And it worked. Like, yeah. hey, good for him. Awesome. I don't know how thrilling the actual fight is going to be. Um, And the pay-per-view card is... I saw some people being like, no, it's a totally fine pay-per-view. And it's... No, it's not. It's not really. It's... it's two... I've seen worse cards, but it's not... This is not. This loses one of these top three fights. Yeah, and even then, I am prepared fully in when we get to it in a minute to just crap all over Costa Rockhold. Sure. Like that I mean, is. I, a, I like it, but I, I, yeah, I get it. You do? You, do you like it because you just don't like Luke Rockhold? Like ninety-nine percent of the MMA fans. It also has a sort of philosophical comedy to it that these yeah. are, these are two of the same kind of type of guy. Like there's something about this. <laughs> it is the himboist fight. It is it's somebody I, I saw somebody uh, some MMA Twitter joke account tweeted out a uh, you know we're not willing to admit that this is the Paige Van Zant versus Rachel Ostovich for the ladies. Yes, exactly. And it is that funny. Yeah, this is a hunk battle. And it's just yeah. kind of funny. Like, these are just two, like, unlikable guys, but they also somehow manage to be, like, periodically charming mm-hmm. just because they're good-looking and they have that confidence. Yep. But they're both just dicks. Yeah. Like, it has something to it. It, it is like. one of those things. Like, I see Paula Costa's Twitter account, and I'm like, my God, what an idiot. And then every, like... Now and then they'll oh, pop right. up and I'll be like, but that is really funny. I know. Every 10 tweets, you're like, oh, <laughs> I don't want to think this is funny. He's such a dickhead, but he just has that confidence or yeah. at least a very convincing facade of confidence, which is usually the case. But yeah, a really persuasive sense so, of self-belief. So there's, you know, that fight is that's a real I don't know. It's a real paper tiger. I get, I get that. Yeah. If it, if it was Luke Rockhold in an earlier era, this would be an amazing match. Yes. But it's not amazing. Yeah. And not at all. so you have two fights that I am really thrilled for. Yeah. And then like two fights that are just not going to be high level yeah. at all. Even if they're fun, they're not going to be high level. Yeah. And that is. That's a pretty weak pay-per-view offering. Mm-hmm. So anyway, let's jump in and talk about this main event. Kamaru Usman, Leon Edwards. Um, I have my suspicions that I don't know that it's going to be boring, but this has like five round mm-hmm. simmer written all over it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a significant chance this is boring. And I, I, I think that. Main... It's like a mid-career Jose Aldo title fight vibe to it for me. I, yeah, I think it mainly has to do with Kamaru, which is unfair because I'm Leon. Leon is now such like a known quantity mm-hmm. that I can like blame a fighter like Kamaru because I know that if Kamaru does certain things, Leon's not going to make an exciting fight. Yeah, 
Uh, it is up to Kamaru to make this fight exciting. And, and their first fight was exciting, largely because uh, Kamaru was insanely aggressive. Mm-hmm. Like, he started that fight literally just walking at Leon Edwards, like, uh, power walking at him, like, full on in his face, looking for clinches, creating punching exchanges, having to punch back. Like, it was a tussle from the start. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I already had this uh, this discussion with Phil, but I'm curious to hear your perspective on it, Zane. Um the current crop of Trevor Whitman fighters, are they worse than they used to be? Are they too cautious? Is this an effect that Trevor Whitman just has on fighters? Because I, I I was dismissive of that before, but now it's like we had Nama Yunus as far as a two. We've had Justin yeah. Gaethje in more than one fight where it's like, you just need to come forward, and he doesn't do it. Um, and Kamar Usman, like crushing Colby Covington, like really seeming to build on what he did in their first fight. And then just kind of just taking his foot off the gas. completely. I think there is a philosophical note going on in the Whitman camp that is, I don't even, you know, maybe, maybe Whitman's not even aware of it because I would think not. Um, you know, I, I don't think that any part of his plan for Esparza versus Nami Yunus no. 2 looked like the fight that Rose Nami Yunus had. You know, like there no, was he, certainly... he knew what was happening while it was happening. He yeah. just like because he is but, who he is, he had to keep that like black hole sun music video smile on his face the whole yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe do something, Rose. Yeah. But nonetheless, Rose was incredibly charmed by the fight she was ha- having. Oh, and yeah. that <laughs> she thought it was sick. She thought it was, yeah. I mean, she afterwards she was like, that was great for me. That was everything I needed to prove. And because she was just really happy to go out there and not get hurt. <clears throat> and yeah. that reminds me a lot of Dean Thomas in Tyron Woodley's corner, just like trying desperately to get him to come forward. Yeah. But the things that they've been doing and working on in the gym were too deeply ingrained. Like you can't, they had spent 10 years not preparing him not to come forward. Yeah. And so there, yeah, there may just be a philosophical ideological process going on in that gym where they are training these fighters to, uh, you know, to, to Molly, to get Molly all riled up, but, um, effective. Yeah. Very effective. But where they're training these fighters with this idea of like, be defensively smart, be defensively first. The big part of the fight is not getting hit and then doing, you know, creating off of that, which I mean, you get the fund like I, I get the fundamental idea of why that's a good philosophy to have. But oh, yeah. look, I still think Trevor Whitman is obviously a great coach. Yeah. Makes great technical improvements to his fighters. Like all three of the fighters I just mentioned have gotten yeah. dramatically better. But there is also a trend where they have you know Yeah. They lost they, aggression to yeah. a 
to a dangerous extent, to an extent where they literally are losing fights because they're just not doing enough. Yeah. And that is, you know, like that. that there's always a chance that somebody's going to take exactly the wrong impression from the advice you give. Yeah. And yeah. MMA fighters might be especially susceptible to that as a breed. Like, there's, you know, it's one of those things where we've talked for years um, about how it's kind of weird when you hear fighters talking like, I don't watch any tape. And I don't watch film, you know, mm-hmm. you're from like half the fighters in the UFC. They're just like, oh, no, I don't watch. I don't watch tape of my my opponent. I'm not interested in what they're doing and all that. And I used to dismiss that. It's like, well, that's just dumb. Why wouldn't you do that? Why would you not be as prepared as possible? But you hear from enough people and you I, I started to get the idea. like if I'm watching tape and I'm focusing on what they're doing, it gets in my head. And I start yeah. to try to think, overthink about what I'm doing in the moment. Sure. And if I'm thinking about that, like, I can't just naturally flow and react, which is a lot of what a, you have to do in something that is as fast-paced and manic and as, as diverse as MMA, where you have this five minutes of controlled chaos, essentially. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you can't be out there being like, oh, well, I'm going to look for what they're going to do in this moment. Let me see, you know, oh, I remember they when they do this, they're going to show that kind of thing. It's like, no, you just have to be able to see something and react immediately it has to be ingrained in your mind fighters are are head cases and i don't say that um like disparagingly just as a statement of fact because like it doesn't take much of a level of competition to stress me out yeah just the pressure i put on myself with zero real life stakes yeah can completely change the way i compete at anything competitive like i totally understand it yeah, and athletes too. You hear all the like sideline interviews with like any pro athlete. We're like, oh yeah, what did you think when you were making that touchdown? Like, uh, in the really honest ones, like I'm thinking ball, 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 yeah, hand, think. ball, <laughs> hand, ball, hand, ball. You know, like they're not thinking at all. It all yeah. has to be natural reaction. So yeah, there's a certain you know the, the, these are people where if you're giving them a philosophy, you don't necessarily know. There's something with, yeah, Trevor Whitman obviously being a very solid boxing coach for MMA, but I almost feel like there's some disconnect between the boxing philosophy that I love Trevor for Mm -hmm. and the fact that it doesn't, it's not one-to-one with MMA that like, there's a defensive mindset will get most fighters to fight very differently from a boxer with a defensive mindset that there's Mm -hmm. too much shit to worry about. That, and the that space is too big too. Like the you can't... space is too big. Like you can you can run around forever and never feel that pressure of the ropes coming up behind your back. Yeah. So like you can be too passive. You can also just not be aggressive enough in in failing to corral your opponent. And it's just there are these little differences that you have to take into account. Um, and maybe that's the cause. I don't know. I'm completely guessing because yeah. If I'd spent uh, two years in the camp watching quietly, maybe I could come up with a really good, compelling theory. But <clears throat> all I can do is guess. Um, so, so, yeah, I, uh, the, all of this is to say that Kamaru Usman made Leon Edwards have an unusually exciting fight last uh-huh. time because he was very aggressive. He has lost a, de- a significant degree, I think, of that aggression. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't think Leon Edwards has it in him to be all that aggressive so i think this could be the worst possible version of this fight just because of who kamar usman has become 
Um, yeah. Now, the thing is, that's still not a fight Kamaru has to lose. Yeah, that's my thought. Like, exactly. Leon Edwards is. I was going to say interesting, but it's <laughs> not actually always the case. He is interesting, like, you know, to study, to, to think about his psychology. Mm-hmm. He is, um, I'm going to borrow a point from, from Phil here, uh, just because I can, what's he going to do about it? You know, <laughs> that like six foot two goof, you know, he can't stop me. Um, that that Leon isn't is not actually like he's very rarely too passive. Yeah. Almost never. Uh-huh. He's he's an exceptionally good round winner. Um that he seems to have an uh, that of a sense that most fighters lack of like sort of where he is in the round and will get things back. Uh-huh. Uh he really fights to the level and to the to the intensity of his opponent. Um but it leads to really, really thin margins. Yeah. And in almost every Leon Edwards fight, there is a mental lapse where he sort of stops paying attention. He starts coasting, whatever. It's not a uh, like a Jorge Masvidal thing where uh-huh. he just gets focused on the wrong stuff and drifts out of the fight. No, he'll be competing the whole time. But it's usually, I think, just a defensive failure. Yeah, where he just doesn't take what his opponent is doing seriously enough and gets hurt. There's also, I think, and you know, he's he's papered it over a lot, but I think there's also just a there's a there's a very real discomfort in the transition for Edwards. Absolutely, yes. Where he is very comfortable pot shotting at extremely long range. And he's very comfortable clinching and pressing his own wrestling. And then there's this moment in the pocket where he has become a lot better and he's become a lot sharper and he's become a lot more comfortable. But he doesn't want to ever spend any time there. He doesn't like being in that middle distance. You can see it when he throws combinations too. Like there there is this classic uh, thing where... Um, not to just compare him to another British fighter, but like Amir Khan always had this where he'd throw one beautiful crisp punch and then a second punch, it's pretty good. And by punch three, you're like, oh, his form is gone. Yeah. And um, that is very much something that happens to Leon Edwards. And then, yeah. Whenever he, you know, whatever fight he's having where you're talking about that lapse always seems to come in that middle distance. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, so this is ample opportunity for Kamar Usman to just have a boxing match with him from mm-hmm. pretty long range. Uh, there's the fact that Kamaru is an excellent jabber. He has a very mm-hmm. powerful and very persistent jab. And he's going to use it against a southpaw. He's already proven that he can do that. One of the wonderful things about Trevor Whitman as a coach is that he does not just you know, uh, yeah. like give his fighter empty, useless platitudes about fighting lefties. They fight the same because... Mm-hmm. It's still an opponent, and the same ideas work. You just might have to adjust. And um, so he has probably more of an ability than almost anyone else to actually just sting Leon from range and to transition into that middle distance sort of whenever he wants. Uh Um, 
And so, yeah, I think it, it has every chance of being extremely close. I think if Kamaru is smart and if Trevor Whitman, God, I hope that he looks at these recent fights and senses a problem mm-hmm. that he's going to look to go in there and wrestle. And I, and this is another factor that makes this fight almost harder to pick than it would have been at almost any point before because Kamaru doesn't do as much wrestling, especially not as much shot wrestling. Mm-hmm. And we, we assume it's because his knees are busted. Um, you know, it may also just be that he's fallen in love with boxing. He clearly really likes it and wants to get better at it. But um, he just doesn't seem to have that same spring in his lower body anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't think that's disastrous. I mean, most much of the wrestling in their first fight was uh, Kamaru just crashing into the clinch. Yeah. And and starting from there. And I think that would be great. Like you, you, you a major advantage for Kamaru will still always be his size and strength. Yeah. I mean, and, that's one of the things that I remember t- seeing in like the the latest Kobe um, Covington fight. Yeah. You know, there's a moment early on in the fight where Covington shoots in and Kamaru just like grabs him around the waist and just like hauls him over his head as right. they go down to the mat yeah. and just instantly reverses and sprawls him out and ends up on top. Yeah. And like the commentary team's like, oh, well, that's really good for Colby. And you know, that's still, he's introducing the wrestling to the game. And that's a great, and it's like, how? He just got beasted in that moment <laughs> just in got... a way that clo- slams the door on yeah. most future wrestling success he could have. A takedown defense so crushing, you have to assume that he is emotionally destroyed by it. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to be panicking in his head after feeling that. Yeah, yeah. and that and that is ultimately the thing. That, that means I still have to pick the guy I would have always picked in this matchup since seeing the first one, which is the guy who won the first one. Yeah. Kamaru has gotten whatever critiques you can level at him for how his style has changed. Uh-huh. He has gotten significantly better in the area that is supposed to be Leon's area of expertise. Yeah. Uh, an area in which Leon still has many ranges and points of discomfort uh-huh. and has a very narrow kind of fight he's pretty, really honestly comfortable having. Leon, I think, going back to his preparation for Usman and certainly since then, has also gotten significantly better in Kamaru's area of expertise. Mm-hmm. Way better with the wrestling. Yeah. But which is easier to imagine? Kamaru winning a striking battle with Leon or Leon out wrestling Kamaru Usman? Yeah. That ain't happening. No. And it's it, just not gonna happen. It, it's it's notable uh, among you know, you look back at the the run that Leon Edwards has had. And one of the defining things about it mm-hmm. is that he has one win in that stretch in those in those nine nine victories. He has one win where he didn't get a take. He didn't get at least one takedown. Yeah, it is one of the you know we're talking about how there's this discomfort in the middle distance for Edwards, and it's like I, I think it's better than it used to be by a fair bit. He's actually you know I've seen him sit down on some pretty sharp counters lately, and just like yeah really seem like he can flow for at least a couple strikes right in the pocket. I mean, even in the first fight with Kamaru, he threw yeah. some really wicked combinations. That's why I think that if Kamaru is aggressive, we could be in as likely as we get a bad fight. We could be in for a great fight because sure. I think 
Kamaru really brought the best out of Leon in that yeah. first meeting. But no matter what, there's always a sense with Edwards that he is trying to transition from long range to tying up and out wrestling somebody. Yeah, that's like even, the escape patch. Yeah, even when we, you know, even talking about like, oh, you know, there's this whole build-up thing that they're doing this, you know, the, the promos and all that, and Kamara Uthman's talking about like, oh, when we fought the first time, I was basically just a wrestler, and Uthman, and Edward's talking about, oh, when we fought the first time, I was basically just a striker kind of thing. But even at that point, Edwards was a surprisingly decent and difficult fighter to out-wrestle. Like, oh, yeah. He was known for, you know, I know he gave up three takedowns and lost that split decision to Claudio Silva, but Claudio Silva at that point was an absolute beast, and it was a split decision. Like, Edwards many, made it really hard on him. And how many takedowns did he attempt? I'm willing to bet it's a lot more than three. Yeah, he attempted nine. Yeah. So And he wrestled superbly well in the yeah. fight with Kamaru too. Yeah. He just got exhausted by this big dude who just wouldn't go away and does not get tired. But Yeah. Yeah. So it's always been something that's sort of been there in as part of of uh Edward's game. And more than ever these days it is a you know, he depends on having that transition available to him yeah. to make these fights work. He is able to go out there and have the long range battle with somebody. And when they get tired of that and when they don't like it, they can't just, you know, he'll be there to wrestle with them and potentially out wrestle them. And when he can't, you know, when you have a fight, like, you know, you, you have somebody like Gunnar Nelson out there who is not half the striker like Kamaru Usman is. Mm -hmm. That's a very narrow split decision Based on nine, you know, John Nelson landed nine strikes yeah. to get that split decision or to lose that split decision. Yeah, I mean, and, and to be fair, I mean, as much as Gunnar Nelson did have sustained success in that fight, you do see the best Leon Edwards when that happens because he yeah. has to fight. Uh, and the moments, the good moments he had are some of his best moments ever. Like, sure, he beat Gunnar Nelson's ass in the clinch in that fight. Yeah. He destroyed him uh, when he was having the upper hand. So, yeah, I mean, I, I hope we see something like that. <laughs> I want to see Leon Edwards be forced to fight. I, he's really exciting when he's put uh-huh. in that in that situation. But, yeah, it's just like, is he going it, to – it's not an escape hatch against Kamaru. Maybe he can land some shots in the clinch, but if Kamaru gets a hold of him, um, he he's has the potential to – Insanely strong. He's insanely strong. Um and still, it's not like Kamaru needs his shots, uh, his his double legs and stuff to wrestle. Like, he is a very flexible wrestler. And just, it wasn't that long ago that he just uh, smothered Jorge Masvidal against the fence. Yeah. And he's still capable of doing that if he needs to, I think. so. Yeah, I think if, if Edward, if, if a part of Edward's game involves even just being able to get to the clinch and do damage with, it, with Usman, I think that very quickly turns into Usman pinning Edwards against the fence and outworking him and just yeah. staying really busy and really powerful and forcing Edwards to defend all the time, even if he's not getting takedowns. And probably making, even though Leon's done so much more wrestling since then, probably still ultimately exhausting him just because you yeah. don't want to tie up with Kamara Usman for 
20 minutes. Yeah. And then, you know, otherwise, if we have long range to look at, the biggest thing for Edwards, whether you talk about like a narrow margin or, you know, you want to believe that he's just the slickest, most, you know, dominating outfighter in the world or whatever, the clear thing you can see no matter what is that he doesn't push a pace high enough to knock people out. Yeah, that is a very good point. That's the thing. It so seems like if, he should be knocking people's heads off. Yeah. He's so fast and accurate. and Yeah, I compared him uh, yesterday to, uh, to Edson Barboza at 155. It's like, mm-hmm. man, this guy looks like a serious puncher. And then you look at his record, and it's like he's fought like nine old dudes, and he hasn't knocked any of them out. Gunnar Nelson was the closest. He hurt him in the clinches. But even then, it's like he doesn't follow up. He's like, it's like a sense of relief. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, good. I'm safe. I'm ahead. Yeah. You know? And then he just kind of takes his foot off the gas. Yeah. So that, you know, and if he's not going to knock Kamaru Usman out, then yeah, I, I expect that Usman can push enough of a pace out there, even at the less fast-paced Kamaru Usman, like, yeah, you know, the the slow Colby Covington fight is still Kamaru Usman throwing 300 significant mm-hmm. strikes. Mm-hmm. That's the second... Oh, he kind of took his foot off the gas. Colby mm-hmm. Covington fight is two knockdowns and 300 significant strikes. Leon Edwards, the busiest he's ever been is against RDA, where he threw 200. Over five rounds. Yeah. 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 So, like, that, you know, there's just a, even, even us lower paced Kamaru Usman is still somebody who can push a pace that I've never seen Leon Edwards push before. And if Leon Edwards isn't going to knock him out, then what's, how's he going to win? Exactly. It's, it's kind of a classic dynamic in MMA where two fighters improve in each other's area of expertise. And I guess as a rule of thumb, you should just say, if the one guy is trying to get better, at, uh, if the one area of expertise is wrestling, Mm-hmm. It's never going to get you to win the fight by getting better. Yeah. At it. Like unless it's just defensive and you're so much better at the striking uh, that all you have to do is stuff takedowns to get your moments. But that doesn't seem very likely, even with Kamaru getting hurt more these days. It just doesn't yeah. seem likely that Leon can actually put together the sequence he'd need to finish him. Yeah, it's just not something he does. And it seems just as likely that Kamaru will hurt Leon because it happens literally yeah. every damn time. Yep. So. Yeah, if I have to look at a fight where both guys might get hurt and neither guy might get knocked out, then I just have to look at who's who pushes a better pace. And you know, where where can Edwards take this fight if Usman is being busier at range? Yeah, because if he clinches and if he tries to wrestle, I just assume that he's just going to get punished. I hope it's good. I think it could be. I think it, I, I think these guys do bring something out of each other. Like we've only seen 15 minutes yeah. between them, but it was a very exciting fight. Yeah, I just kind of think it could be like you know, like Aldo Edgar two. Or something yeah, I totally. Where, well, even that that would be okay. Yeah, which is I'll, fine. I'll take that. Like it's 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 a simmer for five rounds where you're like, yeah. oh yeah, okay, there's. We're we're nearly at a boil. There's stuff happening. I can see and feel the tension in the action. Yeah. It's just never spilling over to Yeah. You know. 
a fight you enjoy but never rewatch. Exactly. Yeah. But still, safe from, from like, the depressed us roster. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't expect that at all. Like, I mean, Kamara Usman, like I say, the, the slow version of him against Colby Covington was still somebody who threw 300 strikes. I don't think that... Yeah. I don't think... Th- I think the time he spent early in his career at, uh, you know, working under Henry Hooft and all that, like, it's never going to leave him totally. That that father figure over his shoulder is never just going to be like mm-hmm. erased. Hoof did way too much work getting him to be a really good, like push forward power. Yeah. Puncher. There, there is like a tiny Henry hoofed on his shoulder, like a little, yeah. a little demon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mario has three boring rounds and Henry just says, don't give up pussy. <laughs> and then Kamara is like, Oh no, I got to go out there and make something happen. Yeah, yeah I think so. I don't think that it can be. I don't think he can be that totally. He was quite aggressive with Colby early too. It was really pretty yeah. classic Usman mentality with the new boxing game. It's just that he, he, he drifted at, it wasn't even that he stopped throwing. He just drifted out of like pressuring and taking the fight. To yeah. Him. That's the yeah. real concern that if that happens, I would uh, still just because be- of, but just because of who Leon is. Yeah that you give the man a passive fight, he's going to have a pretty passive fight with you. That's these guys could either bring the best out of each other or the worst. That's it's just the, that even if I'm thinking, Oh yeah, like Guzman might have some success and then drift out of fights. So like, okay. Well then what, you know, like yeah, what, winning. where does Edwards turn it around and suddenly, you know, turn up a fight that he wins. Cause if yeah. he starts putting more together on Usman, Usman will come back. He'll, he will yeah, take he will. the fight right back to him. He will. So I think I think, you know what, the more I talk about this, the more confident I am that I think we can count on Kamara Usman to make this a fun fight. All right. I'm not sure about that yet, but I I at least. Yeah, I expect it'll have a couple of really good rounds. Yes. Kamara Usman opened at minus 300. He's currently at minus 409. Leon Edwards opened at plus 250, dropped to plus 220. He's currently up at plus 327. All right. That brings us to a middleweight bout paulo costa luke rockhold and we opened up talking a little bit about this you make this fight i mean you make this fight like four or five years ago and paulo costa wasn't quite paulo costa yet he was still beating dudes like gareth mcclellan and oluwale bamboge (laughs) um so i don't know that you could even say that there's a point where this fight would have been really cool no, I'm imagining this version of Paulo versus that version of Luke. Yeah, you know? versus that, that sounds amazing. The good yeah. Luke Rockhold. This is a hell of a fight. Yeah, but I'm somebody else. You know, uh, somebody on Twitter and on MMA Twitter was talking about like, ah, I think I'm going to take Luke Rockhold for Ooh. UFC 270. Yeah, I'm just feeling it. I'm like, are you insane? What are you He's feeling? Like, you might have a a parasite of some kind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you like, have a tapeworm? <laughs> Mad cow? I don't know. Like we, we need to get you checked and possibly cold. Um, Got some kind of prion sickness. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, like, you know, I get it. Luke Polakosta got humiliated by Israel Adesanya. Yeah, and there is there's a little bit of that in classic Luke Rockhold. I mean, I yeah. can see that. Yeah, yeah. If if he if he wilts in front of Luke Rockhold, For Luke sure. Rockhold yeah. will like. You know, he will crank up that Chad energy to like a oh, million yeah. in the moment. And he's a fearsome kicker. He's got a good yeah. jab. 
He's, and he's got he's a he's got a absolutely crushingly dynamic submission game. If you fall into if you get a little hurt and you shoot on Luke Rockhold, oh yeah, that is you are you're basically giving up the fight. Yeah, he's like, bro, I've been kicking Daniel Cormier in the liver and having him do this to me as in response for 30 years. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> no problem. This is what I'm comfortable with. But even a unmotivated, troll-bound, ridiculous, su- carnival sideshow version of Paulo Costa that emerged from that fight. Yeah. Went out and just hung out with Marvin Vittori. Oh, yeah. And made the fight really close in almost every round just by pu- being able to punch him really hard. He he looked pretty much the same as ever. I mean, there was the yeah. little moment where you're after the f- first three minutes of insane intense, you're like, oh, my God, he's going to gas. But he never really did. No. It and was a very impressive fight. So then you have to go and look, you know, we've seen he's in shape. He's in camp. He looks motivated. He is not old. There's no reason to think that he's become shop worn from time and tribulation. You know what it is. He got hair plugs. He got hair plugs. That's right. The confidence. Boom. Right back in there. Boom. Um, so then you have to go turn around and you have to go think about like that Yul Romero fight he had. And ask yourself, what part of a dude who can go to go to war yeah. with Yoel Romero in 2019 for 15 minutes, even yeah. whether you thought he won or not, would convince you that Luke Rockhold is going to go out there and fight with this dude and survive? Yeah. Because we, we saw Luke Rockhold go out and go to war with Yoel Romero yeah, a year earlier. A, let's apply a little MMA math here. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the thing, the real big thing is more than any sort of like, oh, you know, here's the technical dynamic of how Costa punches and how Rockhold counters and the kicking game and all that. Rockhold has picked up several injuries over the years now that are cost check levels. Yeah, I was, his head. I was looking at his topology yesterday and one of the cancellations literally says Rockhold sustained multiple injuries. Yeah, <laughs> that's why he had to pull out of the fight. He has had he was supposed to fight Sean Strickland and he herniated a disc. Bad. Yeah, he's had knee injuries. He's had knee injuries. And then he has a shin injury. Yeah, that he tried to cover with a sleeve and there was still like a bandage on it last time he fought. And this was like years after the original injury happened and it opened up immediately again. Yeah. It's got like a septic shin bone or something. And like, there's just no way that he can, you know, if he has to, if he has to go hammer and tongue Paulo Costa and remember, it's not a sign. It's the only person to ever finish Paulo Costa. So to not have to go hammer and tong Paul Costa, like that's not a fight anybody else has been able to have. And, Everybody, and a, a lot of that had to do with Polo. Like, like he he yeah. he was timid that fight, unusually timid. And and Luke Rockhold, this is the thing. Like maybe back in the day, he could have gotten that kind of fight out of Polo, where he's like, I have to be careful, I have to yada yada, and then he just gets crushed from range. Yeah, but um, Luke Rockhold doesn't have that mystique anymore. 
No. There's no way you look at this at, at Luke Rockhold now and think, I got to be careful. This guy's a great kicker. I, I'm, I'm believing all this. Uh, yeah. This this nonsense about how perfect and tech about to be. You just you've seen people run out there and just smash him. Yeah, and You're Paulo Costa. That's what you do. And if, if he has a smashing brutal fight with Luke Rockhold, I yeah. just even if Luke Rockhold didn't isn't wasn't chinny and I didn't think he was going to get knocked out. Yeah, which he would. I would be insanely worried about how uh, just getting injured in any yeah. of a number of ways. For sure. It's uh, that I can't pick Luke Rockhold in this fight ever. Yep. Not right now. Yep. That's it. I'm with you completely all the way. Something, something's going to break. Uh, more than likely, it'll be Luke Rockhold's chin. But if not that, then something else. Yeah. Something um, that gets in his head bad enough that he has to start thinking about it. Like, I mean, the yeah. Blahovich fight, he was taking shots just fine. And then that bandage came off his shin. And he started clinching up, and you can see, like, his head is out of the fight. And the yeah. moment that starts to happen, somebody who does have defensive liability, like, yep. you, you know, nothing good can happen. That is that is the Rafael Dos Anjos, or not Rafael Dos Anjos, but a Rafael Sancio territory where, yeah, or not Rafael Sancio, damn it, I'm following the train of Brazilians, um, all the way back to Hanan Barao. It's Hanan Barao territory. <laughs> there we go. Okay. There we go. Where, like, you see him come out and he's fighting great for a round. You're like, oh, that looks like champion Hanan Barao. Uh-huh. And then something starts to go a little wrong, starts sure. to get in his head a little bit, and it just all crumbles. To Talis Latis, another classic Brazilian mm-hmm. head case with some lingering PTSD. Yeah. And it's yeah, for just, sure when that kind of thing enters, you know, or like with Marlon Marais, you know, when that stuff starts to enter a fighter's mind, yeah, it's, it's really hard to get out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is a fight that, I mean, I don't mind seeing Luke Rockhold go out there and get slaughtered. I mean, at this um, point, I don't even dislike Luke Rockhold. Like, I, yeah, I don't even dislike him a, either. He's a dickhead, but I kind of would just, I feel like he's earned it. I'd like, if he could win, I would be happy for him. Yeah, sure. Like, I, I don't hate any, there are very few fighters that I hate on any sort of visceral, like, I don't want to see them win level. Mm-hmm. And they're not Luke Rockhold. Luke, they, they don't have, Luke Rockhold does, has none of their sins. Yeah. Um, He's just kind of arrogant, you know? Yeah, he's just kind of arrogant, so That's whatever. Fine. Yeah. So, at that point, like, this just doesn't – there's not a lot of appeal in this fight other than the knowledge that it's going to be really brutal. Yeah. You know, you just have to be showing up for the ultraviolence. Yeah, exactly. So I am I am compelled. Uh, I feel a little sick at myself for being compelled. But yeah. uh, I am also with you, not only on the pick, Paulo Costa by finish, but with the idea that this isn't really a good fight. No. Because it, it does seem like a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Holocaust opened at minus 260. He's currently down at minus 352. Luke Rockhold opened at plus 220. He's currently up at plus 273. I would not be surprised if those odds just keep getting wider. No, no. Like, I don't see how people would be looking at this and betting on Luke Rockhold. I might, I might drop a drop a fiver on Paulo Costa at those odds while they exist. Let me see. Wait, there's, we got to check, actually. Um, Refresh the page. Costa by TKO, TKO can be had at uh, minus 160. A. Under two and a half rounds, minus 225. Under one and a half, plus 105, plus 110. 
Um, yeah, yeah, you know, Yoel knocked him out round three. Granted, that was Yoel. Paul is usually more aggressive than that. I right, pa- Paul Acosta by by TKO or just by finish. Like that sounds like a reasonable bet to make. To be quite yeah. honest, a very yeah. reasonable bet, and at, at barely favored odds, not bad. All right, that brings us back to the Bantamweight bout, Jose Aldo, Marab Dvalishvili, and this is a fight. Yeah. Take that advice from me, by the way, the guy who uh, convinced you to stake your child's future on on, uh, Jessica Rose Clark getting armbarred by... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, hey. (laughs) By... I mean... That was, actually, I've forgotten. Th- that, that was actually me, I think, who, who um, had... I, you, you convinced people to make the bet. I, I convinced you that the pick that was the, the fight that was going to happen. Okay. All right. Fortunately, audio exists. So we can go yeah, back yeah. and uh, check the veracity of that claim. Yeah, you can be humiliated in real time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jose okay. Aldo, Marab Dualishwili. Um, oh... Great fight. Great fight. In the worst kind of way, because you know I love Jose. Yeah. And yeah. nothing has been more amazing to have this exact feeling before so many of his recent fights and see him come out on top, often looking as good or better than ever in certain ways. Mm-hmm. This has been... I Look, I was a, I was a GSP diehard. I yeah. mean, even though I liked Jose more, I always enjoyed his fights. His style really speaks to me. I was always like, you know, GSP is just clearly the best to ever do it. But this kind of post-prime run, to -hmm. be just repeatedly lining yourself up for title shots in an arguably significantly tougher division than the one you dominated for 10 years, Mm -hmm. is astounding. He is the greatest to ever do it. Um, But he is definitely getting old now. Yeah. That Rob Font fight, some of that I think was just that Rob Font style aligns well, that you can go back to Mark Hominick and see a guy with a busy jab um, fighting from range uh-huh. and just taking advantage of, of Jose's desire to sort of stand right in, the, in, in long range and use his head movement and use his defense um, to deal with things. A jab is going to work against that kind of head movement forward defense. Yeah, one, two, we got to say, the guys coaching Rob Font, yeah, they deserve all the credit in the world because they have been handing him yeah. all the exact right tools to compete and potentially win against Jose Aldo and Marlon Vera. Yeah, except defense, but... Well, yeah, but it's MMA. I mean... Yeah, <laughs> he's not, not the only... You know, he's it's not far... magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like yeah, they, sure. they handled him the exact right game plans to go out there and just be like, this is the way you can fight these dudes. This is the fight that you can right. have to win. And he tried. He did his absolute damnedest to have yeah. that fight. And you can look at Aldo Hominick, Aldo Holloway, like these past fights and see, OK, this was always going to have a lot of good moments against Jose. Yeah. And incredible how he you know, did exactly what Cheeto did, like found the moments to just put a stamp on rounds that he was losing on volume over and over again. Uh That speaks to the greatness of Jose Aldo as well. This like hunger that he's always had, this 
um, intense push to get the fight back anytime it starts to slip out of his control. Yeah. Um, and down at Bantamweight, still fighting hard for five rounds. Like, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But definitely slower reaction times. Yeah. Trying to rely on his defense and it even without Rob Font's jab, just pestering him like it's just not working the way it used to. Um, and the other thing is that Bantamweight Jose Aldo has been shocking, uh, shockingly susceptible to takedowns. Yeah. Like he never, never was. Never a thing you would have said about Jose. Like Jose Aldo, one of the honest, insanely one of the best MMA wrestlers ever with no wrestling background. Mm-hmm. Defensive wrestling, astounding. I still remember when um, our, our our buddy Mike Reardon wrote that article, and he was just you know as a wrestling coach and and was just amazed that in Jose's fights with uh, Chad Mendez that they were just in pure wrestling positions and sequences. Mm-hmm. And Jose was just straight up out wrestling Chad Mendes. Yeah. Amazing. That's not the case anymore. I think no. the guys at Bantamweight are faster. Uh, Marlon Marais, like lateral dropped him. Mm-hmm. Piotr Jan got him down and held him down for a while, which has always been a thing that Jose is somewhat susceptible to is getting taken down. And when the scramble ends, just kind of having to go Derek Lewis mode for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and this could be the most crushingly depressing fight for me number one fan of Jose Aldo because it is possible in a way that it never has been before that Marab Duelish really actually just out wrestles him yeah especially too I would note that the wrestling seems to make Aldo tired yeah and to make mistakes in a way that it didn't, you know, like the the tiredness and the mistakes, they sort of come together in a way, you know, once again, it's not even the like, oh, he gets taken down and that you never used to happen at Bantamweight or Featherweight. But like he, you know, I, there was a moment I can't remember, like he shot on, who was it? Was it Peter Yan that he Maybe. shot in on and just started getting crushed by it? Like, it's a testament to him that he could bounce back. Yeah. But it's not like there are now flaws that come alive in his wrestling game. Yeah. A whole series of them. Yeah. Now, fortunately for Jose, it, it still seems like it would have to be a an in, an insane wrestling pace. I mean, we know Duelich really is capable of that, uh-huh. but he has never shown much inclination towards controlling the people that he takes down. Yeah. Jose is still an incredible scrambler. Yeah. And uh, will fight that takedown. Like you have to convince him that he's been taken down really hard. Uh-huh. Um, so he's probably going to get, if he does get taken down, he's probably going to get back up to his feet pretty quickly. Both of them will sort of uh, conspire to make that happen. And then you are back in a fight where, yes, Dwellish really has gotten significantly better with his striking. He throws better combinations. Um, he uses feints a lot more diligently mm-hmm. to open opponents up. And we know there's like there's a, a shade. Uh, Phil compared it to his fight with uh, John Dodson to Volkanovsky's fight with Aldo. Mm-hmm. There, there was a bit of that. But it is still a pale imitation. 
Yeah, the the thing that the Marlon Marais fight exposed yeah. in a real hurry is that Duvalish really doesn't have a jab. He has, yeah. he has not actually a range striking game. Yeah, and and for a dangerous, still very fast, very powerful counter puncher, there's going to be a moment in Duvalish Willie's striking battles with these guys where they just sort of say, "Okay, prove it." Yeah, you're doing all this faint. Let's just try something. See if you eat this, and he's going to eat it. Yeah, because like he's just going to enter on a lead uppercut, or he's yeah, going to exactly. enter on a left hook, and it, it'll never be on the faster punch. So yeah, if you actually are willing to just sit down in the pocket and go one for one with him, Marlon Marais annihilated him doing yeah. that instantly. Yeah. And so how, it, however, Jose Aldo is diminished. You're not going to get that kind of dramatic momentum shift like he got with Marlon Marais. Yeah. Where you, you get yourself back in and that's what breaks the opponent. No, no. Yeah. Uh, it's going to take more than that. So I'm still going to pick Jose. I think that if I didn't have these concerns about Jose's age, um, I would be quite confident, honestly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even if I had seen him be more susceptible to takedowns, I don't think Marab has the style to just to just control him with the wrestling. And mm-hmm. otherwise, this should be a matchup that is just good for Jose. It is good on the feet. It yeah, is, exactly. But it, it is one of those things. Like I am worried about the decisions Aldo makes in in wrestling situations at this point. And sure. there's also a version of him too. Like, you know, it's been really admirable the way that he bounces back, but he does get hurt early in fights a lot. Yeah, Even yeah. in fights where he wins, he yeah. can get hurt early and then he has to recover and bounce back and sort of suddenly like snap his way into the fights. Like, oh, okay, wow, I just got rocked. Now I, you know, now I really got to sit down and pay attention. And those are concerning things because Duvall really, you know, he will come out swinging hammers and he will come out looking to wrestle right away. And if he can, if he just like throws Aldo to the back, to the, to the mat and punches him up from under the armpit as he stands up, it might hurt him really badly. He could. I'm. I'm also not entirely certain he is going to do that, though. Yeah. You know, John Dobson, Marlon Marais, he does seem to have a new idea of how to fight these counterpunchers. Yeah. That like. I mean, he's been working a lot on his hands. Yeah, so. for sure. And and it failed dramatically against Marlon, and it it worked great against John Dobson, but Jose Aldo is not John. But Dodson. a lot of things. Yeah, a lot of things work great against <laughs> yeah. John Dodson that shouldn't. I mean, Dodson yeah. is the most one-handed fighter of all time. If you right. just go after him and push him back, and you're not going to get knocked out, yeah, you can take a fight to John Dodson. And not only is Jose just a better version of these fighters. I mean, I know that sounds silly because he he had an extremely close fight with Marlon, but a lot of the stuff Marlon does is like, you know, imitation of Jose Aldo. Yeah. And Jose does it better against other opponents way more consistently. Um, but he's I'm, also much bigger. He is. He is. So I'm going to take the sadness hedge on Marlon Marais. Wow. Or on Marab really rather. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that he's going to hurt Aldo early, and then he's going to be able to wrestle him so continuously that he can keep Aldo off balance. And do enough to at least take two rounds where even if Aldo is, you know, rushing back or has even if Aldo has like a great second round is then too tired to win the third. Mm -hmm. So I will take I will take Devalish really. I am 
convinced that Aldo can win this fight. I'm just not convinced he will. Yeah, I I, I think we're going to be worried about like uh, I I don't know. I have I have to see him lose that kind of fight. I, I have I, literally never seen it. I you know what? I felt the exact same way about the Vera Cruz fight. I was like, you know, I have to see somebody get behind Dominic Cruz and his pace and his rhythm and come back and take it away from him. Yeah, I but I picked Cheeto when I was right. I know, you picked, you picked right. <laughs> I, I'm so. just saying that I, I had that feeling with Cruz that I had to see it to believe it, that he could lose that way against that kind of opponent. And I was wrong. So maybe I'm wrong here, picking against the other way. But I'm I'm hedging with the younger the younger guy who can take a fight that I know can sap Jose Aldo for sure at phantom weight. But I think we may also, if we, you know, it's, we're not far removed from Aldo's fight with Pedro Munoz, which is maybe one of his best performances ever yeah. where all the experience he has gained and all these brutal fights, he was really just on top of that fight the entire time. Yeah. And if Marabi, any moments where Marab isn't full intensity, I think we are kind of looking at a dynamic like that. Like it's just Marab, not. As... If Marab comes out and he tries to feel his way into the first round of this fight, I think he's yeah. screwed. Yeah. I, so yeah. while I, I, we will know in the first minute or two. I think so. Yeah. You know, I think that's where it is. If he comes out and instantly takes Jose down and lands something and then starts wrestling him again, it's going to be a bad sign. Yeah. Uh huh. So I'm going to bank on that happening. But if it doesn't, I'm 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 fully prepared to be wrong and to eat this. You'd be happy to be wrong. It's Jose Aldo. Yeah, I, I yeah exactly. I was I you know I mean I was I was happy to be wrong about Marlon Vera. I loved watching Marlon Vera win. I was you know or I was happy to be wrong about Gerald Mearshart like last oh, week. Yeah. Are you kidding? Like that was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love being wrong about that kind of stuff. Sure. Or Tyson Nam against. That's Odell why it's Alpha. a sadness hedge. Yeah, <laughs> you, sadness you hope you're hedge. wrong. Yeah. I was happy to be wrong about Tyson Nam against O'Day Osborne. You know, Osborne yeah. coming out, being busy in his face, and just gets crushed. I was happy you were wrong too. DC yeah. was uh, DC was uh, on your side there. Hey, I mean, look. Do you remember? That? <laughs> I all credit like, to I, people are getting on DC, but he he wasn't wrong at the at the two minute mark. O'Day Osborne was absolutely <laughs> picking Tyson Nam apart. It was. It really wasn't that distinct. I mean. It was landing. Tyson had landed a few shots as well. Like it was two minutes in. He's like, he's winning. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, but I, I think he's just, yeah, it's just one of those things. Like I'm, I'm not going to, there are so many things to get on DC about to me. I just thought it was funny that he made it. I mean, who, first of all, if you're winning in the, after a minute and 40 seconds, who cares? What does that mean? Nothing. Yeah. You got three minutes left and it's the first round. It literally means nothing. But I also just, it, it wouldn't have been as funny if it hadn't almost instantly turned around and Michael Bisping hadn't started screaming, who's winning? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, Michael Bisping's pettiness was what made that moment. It's true. All right. Anyway. I, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm I hope sadness hedging here and I'm happy to be wrong. If I'm I wrong. hope you're wrong again. I really do. Yeah. Uh, Dvaz really opened at plus 145, dropped to minus 130, currently minus 131. Jose Aldo opened at minus 170, jumped up to minus 108, currently at plus 108. So, hey. All right. That brings us to a woman's bantamweight bout. Wu Yanan, Lucy Pudilova. 
And A. All right. This rocks. We get yeah. Lucy Putalova back in the UFC That's where right. you and I wanted her to never have left. Um, Did she lose four fights in a row? Yes. Yeah. Were they mostly awesome and stupid? Yes. Yeah. Keep her around. Yeah. I am going to say, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the same Lucy Putalova exists anymore. Ooh. Don't say it. What happened in the last fight she had in the UFC against Justine Kish was a, if I'm remembering correctly, absolutely terribly boring. Yeah. Yeah. She landed 21, 29 of 143 strikes. It was a ridiculously terrible outfighting performance from a fighter attempting to be technical with a capital T. And that was a that was an omen of the fighter that she has become. What I going out and looking at the fights she's had on the regional scene, what I see out there is a more powerful, stronger Mm-hmm. More technical, better coached fighter who is fighting in short bursts from way long range and picking her spots to just throw the occasional one, two. And, you know, there's a reason there are two split decisions in mm-hmm. her run of like fighting nobodies on the regionals and only decisions in general. For a well, fighter who used to be like a swarming mad woman. Yeah, she still never finished anyone. Yeah, I know, but she finished people at a low level before. You know, yeah. she TKO'd Julia Stolyarenko and got some arm bars and guillotines and stuff. She created messes in her old fights. Yeah, that's true. She ne- she doesn't create messes anymore. Um I'm still gonna pick her to beat Wu Yanan, because Wu Yanan is she is she does have that messiness to her, mm-hmm. but she has none of the physicality to win fights at this level. And at this point, I think that Lucy Pudilova is actually a better athlete than Wu Yanan. Yeah, I, I I'm not that down on what Lucy has been doing. I think I mean I like seeing fighters get better, and I think she's yeah she's built a good foundation to continue. Like there there's. There's still an aggressive mindset. Like she still wants to sort of stay in a threatening position um, when she. It's it's much better than the fight she lost to Justine Kish. Yeah, for sure. It's she's clearly felt the need to work on that, and you can see why. Like these are much more consistent performances, and yeah, let's be honest. Like the the stuff that we loved about Lucia before was incredibly ineffective. Like oh yeah. Like I said, she wasn't finishing people at the UFC level or even slightly below it. Like, And she was throwing away every position that she got. Absolutely. Just like yeah. full on. I, I, she would she fought like a finisher without actually getting any finishes. Yeah. And constantly sacrificing position, ne- never showing any ability to cut off the cage. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big problem. I'm still not sure she really has that, but she's kind of removed the need for it by being aggressive and a less just running forward the whole time kind of way. Now she's yeah. aggressive, like positionally, like I'm going to be here on the edge of range. 
I'm going to be yeah. looking to jab you. And you still see some crazy exchanges. They're just in bursts, as you said. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I actually like, I think there's some, there's some hope for Lucia to turn into a pretty solid fighter. She's big. She's gotten much more technical, better form has makes her look more powerful. As you said, uh-huh. just cause she's actually landing shots on balance yep. and returning to a position where she can land another balanced shot. And yeah, I mean, I, I think there is actually a possibility for Uyanan to, to have some moments here. Like, she is messy. She's she's one of those interesting marriages of like, it's it's messy in a way she can't help, but she's yeah. trying to have a good clean fight. Um, but her technique, she she off balances yeah. herself pushing forward. Yeah, Uyanan, so that you know she'll she'll throw a one two and then she's falling into her opponent and she has no choice but to have a collision with them either you know either on her terms of theirs, depending on how well she's landed, what she threw in the first place. But then she, you know, has to like scrape herself back out of trouble into out of range again yeah. to reset and do the whole thing. And over. and the real problem is that she's just, she's tough. She's, she can adjust, you know, she's got a really, mm-hmm. a pretty broad skill set. Um, and she's, she's pretty crafty as well, but she doesn't have like, the power or the speed to really like make a statement with any of these ideas. No. And so it just has to be a really tough fight for her the whole time. Yeah. And there's not a lot of control for her on the ground either. So even if she can start out, even if she can collide into somebody and turn into a takedown or something like that, they're not positions she can keep and hold on to. Yeah. So everything ends up being, a potential losing proposition at some point, no matter how successful it started out. Yeah. And she is going to be, let me just check here. Five foot eight, 67 and a half inch uh, wingspan for Lucier. William on five, eight, 66. So it's not going to be a significant size no. disadvantage, but, but she is going to be at a, Slight reach disadvantage against a jab, a, more than ever, a jab-heavy fighter. Yeah, and um, I mean, you know, like, she was the same size or bigger than Myra Bueno Silva and Jocelyn Edwards and Mizuki Inoue. Yeah. If Mizuki Inoue is five foot four. It's just... Yeah. Size does not help Uyanan a lot because she's just not very strong. No, but my, my point was that she she does have this very head forward stance, uh-huh. and if you take big swings, Bullionon will occasionally show some nice defense and come back with some. I mean, she for all that it was like a you really shouldn't be losing to this girl. She did have plenty of good moments against Jocelyn Edwards. Sure. Great moments of craft. You're like, oh, she slipped and landed a three punch combination. That was nice. Um, even that is going to be a lot more difficult against someone who is constantly leading with their jab and does have a reach advantage. If you yeah. hang your chin out there, you're just going to get poked all day. I think yeah. that's an area where Lucia's developments will actually be really good for her here because you don't need to have a crazy scrappy mess with Yanan. She's going to be there to be hit. Just hit her with your high percentage weapons often. Yeah. And she's going to do that. So I, I'm very excited to have Lucia back. And I, I am not yet ready to think that these adjustments are going to diminish her i think she can grow into a pretty solid fighter actually yeah i mean it's women's phantom weight too if yeah. she's if she's she, you know wants to stay there yeah. then 
being consistent and having some better form will win you three out of every five fights. Exactly. And we know she's insanely tough. Yeah. She still has a fighter's mentality. So you put Lucia Putalova in a tough situation. She's going to fight like a Wolverine. Yeah. Um, to get back. It's just that none of the women she's been fighting lately have been able to like pull ahead of her. Yeah. Except for Talita um, Bernardo who beat her and then right, went right, to Invicta right. and immediately lost a couple bouts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pudelova opened at minus 210, jumped up to minus 154, is all the way up to minus 130 right now. Uh, Uyanan opened at plus 180, dropped to plus 132, is currently down at plus 106. So I was getting closer and closer to even. I'm okay with that. Like, Pudelova's had some wins lately, but, you know, they're against lower competition than Uyanan. Mm-hmm. Like, the one other, like, we almost, you know, pseudo UFC level fighter, Talita Bernardo that she faced, who also washed out pretty quickly. She lost to. So, mm-hmm. you know, this could easily, if, if we on is just busier and Pudelova can't knock her out, this can, this could be a really close fight. Mm-hmm. All right. That brings us to a light heavyweight bout. Tyson Pedro, Harry Hunsucker. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I felt really bad for Harry Hunsucker until I read this profile about Tyson Pedro and his relationship with his dad. And then I felt bad for Tyson Pedro, too. And so now I'm just, you know. Has like, he got like a Mark Hunt family situation going on? No. he Fortunately, he and his dad are absolute best friends. Oh. But That's in nice. the way that his dad, like taught him to fight by like sticking him in the ring and just like beating beating his ass with like knocking teeth out and being like father son bonding yeah so like just like i am glad that you two are best friends because some of this like the the thing where your dad is like showing off his knife trick and accidentally sunk the knife straight into your chest it sounds absolutely (laughs) horrifying (laughs) um Okay, I'm going to have to read this article. Yeah, it's a trip. Uh-huh. It's like, okay, wow, that's, um, you know, I'm glad you two are best buds. Cause worked it out. That, is, that, to me, sounds like nothing but trauma, but I, you know what? You got to be built different to be in this game. In I'm the just picturing place. like 30 years from now, you know, Tyson Pedro's dad, you know, lies dying in his hospital bed all the lights in the hospital go off and he looks up. He can barely lift his head. There's just a shadow hulking in the door. <laughs> hey, Bob, I mean, his, his dad's let me like show you a trick. <laughs> his dad's there for all his fights and stuff. I, I honestly, you know, I know. I just, I, there's, yeah. a, there's a vengeance waiting, there, yeah. waiting to be wreaked. But anyway, um, he's going to beat Harry Hunsucker. Like, yeah, Harry Hunsucker's gonna... not good. Harry Hunsucker is, uh, first of all, he has the worst tattoos I've ever seen. I love yeah. that for most people, you get like a tattoo of like your girlfriend and then you break up and you have to be embarrassed about it forever. Harry Hunsucker has a tattoo on his inner arm that says The Beast, which is not his nickname. <laughs> so I have to assume that at some point he was like, oh, this is such a badass nickname. And he got like a $10 tattoo of it and then instantly changed it because MMA fighters change nicknames more than they change well, girlfriends. Because he can't assign your own nickname. No, like, he tried to nickname himself the Beast, 
and everybody's like, no, you're yeah. what what is what is his nickname? The even? Hurricane, which is the also, Hurricane. Nobody's calling Harry Hunsucker the Hurricane. No, he just got a hurricane t- tattoo next to it though. I which just is just as bad. Yeah. Bro. Uh, drop a little cash on these tattoos. I know you don't make a lot as a fighter, but these are not good. <laughs> So he's gonna get a third nickname and have a new tattoo on his belly button right. or something. On on the on the left bicep, you'll yeah. have a new you'll have a new ta- tattoo nickname. Yeah, the honey badger or something. Yeah. Um. Why isn't it like honey bear? Harry honey bear hun sucker something you know, something fun. Well, even like the hun. That's good, right? Ooh, that's good. Harry Attila hun sucker exactly. something something. Although yeah. calling yourself Attila the Hun the Sucker. sucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy, it really makes you wonder about his family lineage. Right. Were his, his ancestors living somewhere on the fringes of the Roman <laughs> Empire and there was only one way to survive? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, was, uh, great, I think great, one great. time I I think at one point I looked up the etymology of it or something. It was something very tepid or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I like to imagine that his great, yeah. great, great, great grandfather was a uh, Bleda's concubine. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you, you 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 know build a build a thousand walls, construct construct a hundred bridges, write a hundred symphonies. Do they call you Harry the the symphony the symphony writer? Suck <laughs> one hun. One hun. One. You're hun sucker forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's just gonna Tyson Pedro looked pretty good in his last yeah. fight. He more than anything just seems to have renewed confidence. I didn't like love the approach he was taking, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Very like sort of weird piecemeal, but he was confident and accurate. He used his jab. Fainting uh, a lot. Fainted a lot. And he did, to be fair, he used his feints. You know, he yep. he drew things out, he got counters in, he worked the body pretty solid and harry hunsucker is just kind of a blank slate except for you know i wish he was a blank slate with these tattoos but <laughs> he, he's pretty much he a, is the detention chalkboard that's right <laughs> he's just defensively laps uh it's not it's difficult to say what exactly he's good at yeah honestly he's and just going to get hit a lot by a by a taller man We've talked about how difficult it is for like light heavyweights to go up to heavyweight because it's all confidence thing and yeah. size and durability really matter up there and stuff like that. It is infinitely harder for heavyweights to go down to light heavyweight and have success. Yeah. Because it is all about speed and athleticism and about having wicked power that is delivered by that speed and athleticism being super dynamic and heavyweight as a breed. They are Harry Hunsucker. They are not dynamic people. No, no, they are not these fast, quick moving, you know, ultra quick, like dirt whirling dervishes. They are huge lumbering giants that are unbreakable. Yep. And Hunsucker is going to walk right into somebody who's just twice as fast as he is. And that's and why I point out the size. Tyson Pedro is yeah. still bigger. Exactly. That's the thing. Is it jump? That's why jumping up to heavyweight is all about confidence. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, they're these already heavy, heavyweight, heavyweight size. They have the size. They just yeah. 
they aren't willing to go fight somebody who's six four and cuts to two hundred and sixty pounds. Right. But the confidence, if you drop down to light heavyweight, it doesn't do you any good because suddenly you're there and you're still fighting huge dudes, and now they're all twice as fast as you. Yep. So easy pick. Yep. Uh, odds here. Where, uh, there we are. Hunsucker opened at plus 550s, plus 534 right now. Pedro opened at minus 750s at minus 800 right now. All right, that wraps up the main card. You can find me on Twitter at these anytime. You can find Connor on Twitter at Boxing Push. You can find both of us over at BuddyOver.com. Give us a like, subscribe to our podcast, BuddyO Presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. And we will be, oh, and as always, rather, the MMA event section is brought to you by the Fine Art of Violence by Chris Reaney, which you can find over at chrisreaney.com, C-H-R-I-S-R-I-N-I.com. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, hop over to the Bloody Elbow Presents SoundCloud and iTunes pages, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We are also on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you will get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, The Mookie and Crookie Show, The MMA Vivisection, The Level Change Podcast, The Sixth Round Post-Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, and radio-style play-by-play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter, at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com.